Hey, everybody, we are back. Welcome to another episode 13 of More Than a Title. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas. I just want to send a special thank out to everybody who's been returning. A special shout out to all my owls on the check-in. Love you guys. And welcome to all those first-time listeners. So for anyone who's a first-time listener, the premise of this show is going to be different than your traditional marketing sales podcast that focus on the tips and tricks. Those are important, but I'm just a firm believer that there's more valuable lessons in one's journey than the day-to-day execution. So that's the real reason why I wanted to create this show and learn more about the person behind the title. And of course, we'll share some gems along the way. So, and today we have a special, special guest. He's a business and technology leader with over 30 years of global technology and business transformation experience, has worked for companies like AT&T, Ernst & Young, L Brands, Gap, Zendesk, and is currently the CEO of Hootsuite. He's also a father, husband, expert traveler, avid reader, a board member of the Big Brothers and Big Sisters program, sports enthusiast, fisherman, art collector, and also claims to have a decent jump shot. We're going to test that out. <laughs> but let's please put a warm welcome for CEO of Hootsuite, Tom Kaiser. How are you, Tom? Awesome. Thank you so much, Jared. It's great to be here. No, absolutely. It's I, Like I said in the green room, this is the first episode that I'm, I'm nervous and so excited and nervous at the same time. <laughs> I appreciate you for taking time out your day to come chat. So, um, yeah, so if you want to, Matt, before we start, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast? I've listened to some uh, excerpts of the podcast. I haven't sat down and listened to an entire uh, podcast, but I definitely follow you. I give you some likes and some props along the way. I and I, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the courage that you've got to get out here and to, to open yourself up uh, and to share yourself as, as you're uh, asking really detailed questions of, of your guest. Uh, I think everybody learns from that and gets a, a really good feel for who you are and how real you are. Absolutely. And I appreciate it. I will tell you the first time I got a like from you, I felt it was crazy. <laughs> I must have told my whole family. I'm like, what the time is like in my post and all this stuff, man. It was just insane. And also, you know, we've had conversations. So I just appreciate your support. It means a lot to me. And um, yeah, let's let's take it from the top. So I would love to let's start with your upbringing. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about your upbringing and kind of walk us through how you got into tech initially. Yeah, I I, uh, I grew up uh, in the southeast of the United States. I grew up in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and Pensacola, Florida. Um, went to school at Auburn. Um, my uh, my degree was in a version of computer science at the time, so I learned to program in Assembler and COBOL. And my first jobs were in telecom billing, uh, coding, kind of down in the bowels of a, a, a very large traditional building um, and really got introduced to more modern technology by moving over into consulting. I, I joined uh, Ernst & Young and Management Consulting and kind of grew up there. I spent 12 years there wow. kind of learning how to solve business problems with clients, but also learning how to lead a team and then lead a bigger team and then lead cross-functional teams, solve bigger and bigger problems. Uh, so really grew up in that business and got a broad range of experiences my last consulting gig, like many consultants, was um, putting a strategy together for a company, and they were like, good idea, why don't you come do it? So that was how I ended up at L Brands, uh, or Limited Brands, as it was called at the time, in specialty retail, um, and uh, spent uh, a handful of years there in the CIO role and replatforming their business uh, onto more modern technology, and then got recruited over to Gap to do a similar version of that. Uh, and then made my move into to more modern technology, being in San Francisco and being close to technology over to joining uh, Zendesk and helping grow and scale that business. And then the last piece being the 
hey, I think I want to be a CEO, um, getting answering the call on, uh, on Hootsuite and stepping into that. So I live in uh, San Francisco. I've lived there now for 12 years. Um, I'm on this call today in Atlanta. So I spend a huge chunk of my time in Atlanta. I still consider Atlanta and really the Southeast home. This is where my people are. This is where I feel most comfortable, but love San Francisco and, and certainly have part of my, my life uh, there uh, as well. That's amazing. And shout, shout out to Atlanta and shout out to the A team and everybody down there, all yeah. the houses there, yeah, man. Definitely. This, this office is hopping. It's a fantastic yeah. office that we opened up earlier this year, for sure. Yep, I love it, man. Uh, one thing that, that stood out to me just now, I'm very curious, right? So you were doing consulting. What made you, what was the thing that ticked for you that said, man, I want to be a CEO versus starting your own consultancy agency? You know, I never thought about being a CEO. I, I, I never, actually, I never thought about C-level roles. Um, I like solving problems and in consulting I got to do that at more and more scale as I as I as I kind of grew up through my through my career um, but I never had like uh, I need to be at this title uh, mindset I thought about you know providing and I thought about doing interesting things and solving interesting problems uh, and so I kind of backed into my first c-level role by going and driving a consulting like transformation inside of limited brands as an employee there and then stepping into the IT organization and then taking on the CIO uh, role. And I loved operations. I love making things work better. I love solving problems and then trying to be able to tell the story of the problem you're solving and the value that's going to be delivered and the better experience that's going to be created either for your employees or for your customers. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my path. I, I didn't have a lot of examples around me growing up. You know, I grew up of, of humble means, and I didn't have examples around me. I, I'd never met a CEO before. I'd never met a CIO before. And so I, I didn't have a frame of reference of what those roles really even meant. Yeah, I, I, I'm in that same boat. And that's how I was initially in my career too, where I didn't have, yeah. didn't have too much CEO influence. And to look at where we are now, man, it's just amazing to be able to learn from yourself and other market leaders and, and hear your journey, right? I had CEOs come on here that said, I mean, I had to sleep in a car for six months just to bootstrap it and, yeah. and get things going. And really just says, you know, how bad do you want it? And I think that's the, that's the, the main difference. And I, I think I'm the same way with like you, man. I'm, I love solving problems. I love helping people. And that's why I love sales versus the marketing shop to Maggie. Cause I, I know over there. <laughs> but um, that's what I love about the customer journey, man. So like when it comes to, we talked about this for everybody that's listening right now, we had a conversation about Bob Myers, who's the GM, GM of the golden state warriors. And yeah. you, you made a comment about, you know, it's a t difficult job and, you know, living with those decisions that you make for the business. Right. And yeah. I would love to ask yourself that, right? Like, how do you, how do you deal with that pressure of making the, you know, making those business decisions for an organization like ours, right? Like, well, what is that like? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's why I wanted to be a CEO. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I was in Desco CEO for four and a half years. Um, I was in different C-level roles at Gap. I had a lot of uh, autonomy to make decisions inside of my organization, but as far mm -hmm. as decisions for the company, I was just one more piece of input into yeah. those and someone was making decisions. So I felt like, you know, I'm old. I've got a lot of experience. I'm ready to step into uh, this role and, and make the decisions. But you feel the weight of it when you're making really substantial decisions that have a long-term impact on the company, whether it's an investment, whether it's an acquisition, uh, whether it's stopping doing something, um, you feel that. So you've got to 
you got to surround yourself by people that you trust and who can bring to you the different points of views and perspectives um, to help you make the decision. Uh, And then you got to, you got to make the decision. You got to own the decision, and then how that decision plays out. You know, maybe six months, it maybe two years, uh, and then you've got to be open to what you learn from it. Like, what does the data say about that decision? And then, you know, continue to adjust. If you're singularly minded and you you don't want to learn and you just want to defend the decision, whether it's working or not, you're not going to learn, and you're going to make the bad decision or the wrong decision in the same way over and over again. So you've got to be humble enough uh, to, to listen to what worked and didn't work in the decision uh, to take the criticism and then to apply that learning so that you're making a better decision next time. And that, that was what you and I were talking about with Bob Myers. I think about the decisions that you're making as a general manager of an NBA basketball team. Bob Myers is the GM for the Warriors. I, I'm a season ticket holder for the Warriors. My seats are about 12 rolls behind where Bob Myers sits uh, wow. on the bench. Uh, so I get to at least see him from a distance. Um, but he's making decisions. Like you think about the decision they made around Andrew Wiggins and how they went and got Andrew Wiggins and the number of movements that had to take place. And that investment, you know, two years ago, really in a downtime for the Warriors and how that's now coming to fruition in yeah. this or the drafting and development of uh, Jordan Poole or the the uh they're going and picking uh uh some of these uh, g league players off that they've developed into these critical roles like uh, gp2 or, or uh, gp3 and uh, some of these players it's it's a it's a game of chess some of it's immediate and then some of it is a multi-year uh uh play and then some of them completely don't work like you you make big bets on someone and they don't work out so you've got to be um you've got to be confident in your decision. You've got to have good advisors and make the best decision, but then you've got to learn from that. So you don't repeat uh, the, the mistakes that, that, that you need to make. And you've got to think about how to gel it all together into something that works. Absolutely. And I, I think the biggest thing from Bob Myers perspective is the patience, right? Yeah. Like you, you, they had what, where they were not last year, cause we lost in the play in, but the year before that had the worst record in the league and then made Right. Completely. So you could have easily just said, all right, man, I'm just cleaning house. I'm going to do that. But they just stack their assets and just live with the decision. So I'm curious for you, like, have you had a decision like that or how when you make a big decision, when do you know or one thing ticks off to you to say, I have to pivot? Like, when does that happen when you want to be patient? Yeah. If you think about like what we're doing at, at Hootsuite, you know, we're taking this, we're a 13 year old company. We're taking a brand uh, and uh, a company that really defined the space of social media management and right up leveling it. And so in the last really 15 months, we've added a chief revenue officer, a chief marketing officer, a chief product officer, uh, a chief financial officer. So we're bringing leadership in to take us to the next level. Uh, and then you, you want individual talent, but you want talent that can be part of a leadership team uh, as well. And then the ultimate results are the business results that you're you're coming out with each quarter on how you're doing uh, and how that team is doing collectively uh, to to drive that. And at, at Hootsuite, we're also we've done that at the board level as well. We've added four independent board members uh, this past fall, and so we're gelling at the board level as well while we're driving uh, a, a strategy. And ultimately, the in business, you've got a scorecard, uh, and you know it shows up in your your revenue and your revenue growth. It shows up in your gross margin, 
uh, in your gross margin uh, growth. It shows up in your market share uh, and a whole bunch of other metrics. So we've got a, at the highest level, a big scorecard over us. And then we've got lots and lots of, of metrics that we're measuring along the way. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing, man. Has it ever been, because there's a lot of moving pieces. Has there ever been a time in your leadership, not necessarily here at Hootsuite, where you had a great idea and then maybe your team around you is saying, Tom, we have to do it another way. And then yeah. you went with them and you were glad. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, it, you know, I, I listen. I mean, I, you know, if I ask for input, which like I do this with recruiting people, you certainly want strategic decisions. Um, and you can, you can get yourself, um, I can get myself, you know, passionate about uh, yeah. something and get blind to some areas. Uh, and if you bring other people into that decision, you got to listen. I tell, I tell my leaders this all the time. It's like, we ask for the input, you know, I like the input, but we got to listen to it and then balance that with the hypothesis or the idea that we came in with. If you're asking for input and you're not listening to it, then you're quickly going to find yourself making decisions alone uh, and a lot of critics around you as opposed to feeling ownership uh, and uh, in, engaged. So I can't think of a specific example, but I know that I quite regularly uh, am uh, 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 given input that changes the way that I think about things and I adjust to it. I don't, I don't have such pride that I can't uh, adjust to or change the, 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 the way I think about something based on better input from someone who perhaps is even closer to the decision that needs to be made than I am. Absolutely. That's great insights, man. And, and I think I'll be honest with you, Tom. I think that's what I respect most about you. I've had the CEO of Revolt come on uh, last year on one of my other podcasts, Rankable. And he said yeah. something about trying not to show up as the perfect leader, but yeah. being imperfect. And yeah. I think that's what I, I really respect about you. I feel like, like you said, just being able to listen, right? Because yeah. you, when you're at that level, it's very easy for your ego to be like, I am the boss and this is my decision. I, we've yeah. all seen it at some at some level. But yeah. for you, it, you don't come off like that. And I think that shows across the organization about how we move and things like that. So I think that's amazing. And I'm curious for, for you, because it's a lot of pressure being at your level and especially dealing with what we have to do with the LRP and things. How yeah. do you cut off? How do you, how do you shut off or how do you balance family priorities and work. Because for me as a salesperson, I can't shut off time. I'll tell you right now, I'm thinking about Q4 <laughs> and like my yeah. renewals and all this stuff. Like I can't, my baby, my girlfriend's like, baby, just cut off. I can't, my mind is just moving constantly. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. And it's, you know, I'm in a different stage in my life. My kids are all, you know, I have one daughter who's a, a senior, going to be a senior at Ole Miss. Uh, my stepdaughter just graduated from Emory. She's going to UCLA Law School. My stepson's a uh, UC Boulder. Um, so I, I have less immediate family pressure uh, of, of being there. I've got to provide uh, and yeah. I've got to be available, but I, I have less family pressure. But I think, you know, what I've tried to do is observe uh, leaders like through my career, especially in consulting, but then as uh, through my career of different leaders of what worked and didn't work for them, what was effective and I didn't feel effective. Uh, and, you know, the worse the leader, the more I learned from them of things to do and not to do that I tried to apply into the way that that I led, um, as well as coming up with kind of my own internal systems of how I uh, stopped and thought about things, how I created my list of the things that I wanted to focus on. And the way I've been able to balance things is by being super organized. Like I am incredibly organized. I write everything down. 
Um, I start every day with my, I've been carrying the same notebook for 25 years now. uh, And I've got walls and walls of them. But every day, kind of creating my list of these are the most important things for me to work on on the day and, and being organized about it. And that allows me to be able to put things kind of on the shelf in my brain when I know that I've thought through things. What, what's eating at me usually is the things I haven't been able to think through. And the more that I can think through something and kind of put it on the shelf and then pull it out at the right time, that allows me to kind of put my brain into something else, my brain to focus on you, my, fa- my brain to focus on uh, my wife and my family or a Warriors game as it was last night. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's coming up with the system that works for you to get yourself uh, organized and then recognizing where you are. Like uh, I just read a, a, a quote, which is, you know, the, the more your brain is working and overworking, um, the more that you need to, 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 to slow it down uh, and, and write it down. Uh, if you if you feel like your brain is underworking you need to go read some things and stimulate your brain to get it going. But it's like recognizing where you are physically and mentally and the things that you need to, do, to, to balance things and then prioritizing the most important things in your life. So prioritizing your family, prioritizing your health, you know, making time, dedicating time to those things so that you're, you're not out of, of sequence. But kind of the younger you are and the earlier uh, you are in your career, I mean, the more you're going to be focused and it's going to be a big part uh, of your life because this is where you're learning this is where you're building that foundation of like what is it that i want to do and equally important what is it i don't want to do and how do i get better at this thing what are the things that i need to be doing to get better at this thing no great advice and i I think that's that's something i need to personally work on being organized i have my whiteboard so i put everything i need to do for the day that it helps a bit but if i'll be honest with you tom i had no plan man yeah, I had zero plan. I'm sure most people probably feel the same way, like even with the LinkedIn journey. Right. Like it just yeah. derived from asking a simple question to myself is like, there has to be a better way to do this. Right. Like right. It was dealing with my mental health. And I'll tell you a quick story. Right. Before coming into, you know, Hootsuite, I was at an agency and I was dealing with deep depression man. I was killing it on LinkedIn. I'm getting impressions. I'm getting people hitting me up in the DMs. Yeah. But it's hard to to, to, to quantify it. So my bosses are like, yeah, that's, it's cool, man. And all that other stuff. But uh, yeah, we need revenue right now. And I was still, you know, a top performer there, but right. by the end of my tenure, I just felt undervalued. I felt underappreciated. I felt burnt out. And I yeah. even said this during my, my interview process. I was like, I think with Darren, shout out to Darren. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> you are getting a fraction of Jared, but if you can get me to a happy space, man, if I can just be happy where I am, which I am right now, <clears throat> you know, the doors are going to open. And, that, yeah. and that's what we've seen now. So I, I'm also curious, have you ever dealt with that sort of level of like, have you ever dealt with being underappreciated, undervalued, or even depression? And how did you kind of overcome that to get to where you are? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it is a natural part of your career. Maybe natural is not the right way to say it, but yeah. you know, you're going to have disappointments and frustrations. You're going to get exhausted. You know, I spend a lot of years traveling i'm about to become i think a three million miler on delta i'm about to become a multi-million miler in united i've traveled a lot uh and you know had to go to a lot of different places back when you had to do everything face to face uh and it wears you out um you know customers uh cannot you know can be unhappy with you and uh, unload on you and if you're you feel responsible and you feel accountable, you know, you feel that you feel it like right in the, in the heart, you want to make it right with them. And so you do those things. Um, you work with, 
you know, working in retail, I got to work with some incredibly talented people, but also some incredibly difficult people. And, uh, you know, that can weigh on you too, as you try to figure out how to, how to navigate, um, all of, of that. And so it's really, I mean, it's, it's trying to make the time to think about yourself and like, what is it you need? You know, the things, you know, intuitively that make you happy. Uh, you know, the things that are good for you that make you happy, you know, the bad things too. And it's how do you get the right balance of those good things uh, and the right amount of time to keep balancing that out, to keep it into perspective. This is like a, it's a marathon. Your whole career is a marathon. Uh, there's a lot of different decisions. It's a marathon without a map. Uh, so there's a lot of different decisions that you uh, can make along the way. Um, but it's really a, it's a day to day kind of balancing act that, that you're on of prior, prioritization and you got to keep prioritizing yourself uh, in there and those things that are important to you uh, along the way so that you don't sure. go down that spiral. And if you start feeling yourself going down that spiral, more and more reflecting on what is it that is getting me on the, uh, going down the spiral and what are the things that have worked for me um, to, to stop it or to get me out of it. And sometimes that requires professional intervention. But yeah. Many times it is it's recognizing it. I can see this is starting to happen. I know these are the things that help me come out of it. It's to call my mom. It's to, you know, yeah. do this thing with my family. It's just to go shoot basketball for yeah. a little while or go, you know, have some beers with not just my general buddies, but some specific buddies that I can talk about real stuff with uh, and, and, you know, come away from that uh, energized. But it's, it's finding the things that can give you that energy to stop that spiral and get it going the other direction. Oh, that, that's so true. And that's great advice, man, because I, I think what makes me happy is also what's causing the spiral, if that yeah. makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? What makes me happy is helping people. Yeah. Like, so that's why I'm doing the LinkedIn stuff. That's why I answer the calls at seven, eight o'clock. And then even though you do all those things, it still feels like that's not enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like yeah. it's hard to cut off and prioritize yourself in those instances where it's like, man, I know people need help. I know I want to help people. I there's a Jared out there somewhere that's, you know, yeah. in the Bronx that's like trying to break into tech and he doesn't see anybody that looks like himself or, or has the same mindset or comes from background. And I feel like yeah. I have to constantly show up. And sometimes that pressure is like, damn, I'm just Jared from the Bronx. I don't want to for the pressure. Tom, I didn't ask that. I just want to be myself. Well, well, I mean, but you do have to recognize, you know, time is, you know, it, it's the most important asset that you have. It's passing. Yeah. You can control your, your time. You can say no. You know, you can say no to a whole lot of things. Some things you can't say no to, but many, many things you can say no to. Uh, and it's like, how do you, what is the filter of which you live your life and you spend your 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 time? And kind of, you, you have to think about it through the lens of where do you get energy and where is energy sucked out of you uh, as well? Uh, and understand that and how to balance that uh, as well. But especially the older you get, the more you recognize how precious time is and you get more protective of your, your time. Uh, and I think the earlier you can recognize that in the career, your career, um, the more it sets you up for success and for, for being able to balance all of the things you're trying to balance. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. And like mom always says, you can't be everything to everybody. Right. And that's, yeah, no, that's, saying no is empowering and it's not rude. It's not, it's not me. I mean, you can explain why you're saying no, but saying no is very, very empowering. I feel like as soon as I say no, you're a jerk. <laughs> some, some people are going to think that. Not your people, though. You know, I mean, that's exactly. you know, 
Yeah, exactly. That's a great point, man. And also, like, there's so many different ways I, will, I, will, I do it. So many questions I want to ask. One thing I do want to ask is about is about brands, right? So what is your what is Tom's favorite brand? And what is like, what is it about that brand that stands out to you that, huh. that makes it your favorite? I'm just curious. Yeah, I um, yeah, I love brands. Um, you know, I love our brand. Our Hootsuite brand is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and and some of the things that we're doing with it are, are, are going to be super exciting. I, uh, you know, I love to fish. I grew up fishing with my dad and granddad and my fishing has evolved uh, and gotten more specialized into fly fishing, primarily freshwater fly fishing. So there's a brand called Sims, uh, which uh, makes very specific fly fishing equipment that has built this kind of deep, high quality set of fly fishing products um, and this wonderful brand that every time I hear from them, it excites me because it makes me think about this special thing that I love to do. And they have very relevant uh, offerings. And there's a series of fly fishing and surfing brands like that, that I attach with um, kind of my ideal escapes uh, for how I balance life that I really, really uh, enjoy. Uh, I've got brand loyalty to the things that I buy over and over again. So I buy AG jeans over and over again. And so I've got this deep loyalty uh, to AG um, that kind of allows them to have quality issues and me to be frustrated by them, but to work. <laughs> Same with Delta Airlines. You know, yep. I, for for many years, I flew back and forth between San Francisco and Atlanta every other week for 12 years while my daughter was growing up in Atlanta. So every other week I was on the Friday morning, 6 a.m. flight. And every Monday morning, I was back on the 8 a.m. Uh, flight. So I knew their planes. I knew their crews. I was providing them feedback over and over again as to what they could do better. And then it started improving, which I took as they were listening to my feedback. But I, it, it helped build a, a, a loyalty there. But anyway, I, I have certain brands that I've used over and over again that I have a lot of loyalty to. Love that. And what I love about the Sim story, and I, what I love about those fishing and all of those niche yeah. brands like the surfing, yeah. They're great at building community because they don't have the the, the the mass quantity of, of audience like that. But the one right. that do, they get it and they really cater to that specific audience. Yeah. And I also have to ask because I'm a fisherman too. Yeah. What is what is what do you fit like? What is your favorite? Like, what do you usually catch? I, I'm a striper. I go for bluefish. I love yeah. corgis. Yeah, those are all good northeast fish. So yep. growing up in the in the southeast, um, the you know, I grew up bass fishing and then learning to saltwater fish when we moved to, to, to Pensacola. But my real love of fishing is for trout, specifically cutthroat trout, primarily in Wyoming. Uh, so standing in a, in a river and moving water, moving around, you're basically hunting for, for fish in very shallow, very fast moving, very cold water. There's just nothing like it. It takes your entire focus uh, you're surrounded, you periodically stick your head up and you're surrounded by beauty, but you're, you're so focused on trying to match up the right fly at the right spot in the right current to catch that, that fish and, and have that battle. It's, it's tremendous fun. And then I release them. I don't eat them. I release them. And uh, oh, there yeah. you go. Well, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a catch, catch clean and cook type of guy. There we go. <laughs> like so I'm not mad at that. Um, yeah. I, I'll tell you a quick story about my, one of my favorite memories. And I would love to know yours from fishing. Right. Yeah. I remember, um, first of all, the part I love about fishing is just the, the experience. I don't care if I catch anything. It was yeah. just me being with my dad. I, I yeah. have so many memories. We used to be on 96th street, right there on East side, right there on the FDR. And we would catch yeah. 40 pound striped bass. And wow. he had me, yeah, he'd had me in sleeping bags at five, six years old. We doing overnight <laughs> trips. I hated it as a youngin. As yeah. I get older, I love the aspect of being in. I remember one trip, we was in Poconos in Pennsylvania. 
We was going mm-hmm. down to a small lake. We were fishing for guppies and, and some other stuff, right? Poles in the water. All of a sudden, we see a bear cub. Oh. Never forget that. We see a bear cub. I'm like nine years old. Yeah. All I remember is my dad saying, stop right now. Yeah, yeah. Just head for the hills. Literally, yeah. as soon as we got to the top of the hill, the mother bear came running out to the cub, maybe yeah. 100 yards away where we from. Yeah. And it would have been real trouble. And I'll never forget that. That was one yeah. thing I, I remember dad saying, shout out to dad for saving my damn life. Exactly. <laughs> life lesson. Don't, don't get between a bear cub and its mom. That's that, for sure. Yeah. That's it, man. Do you have any, any stories like that, man? Any, any one that you remember that's like, oh, man. That brings well, I've got, you know, my, my granddad, uh, my dad's dad in, uh, in Birmingham worked for 30 plus years at U.S. Steel. And he retired when I was in, I think, fifth or sixth grade and suddenly had nothing to do. Uh, and so he started coming to pick me up about every second or third day to go fishing. Cause you know, I, I wasn't doing anything. It was summertime. We were out of school. And so, you know, I took it for granted that you just go fishing with your granddad, yeah. um, like that. Um, and we would catch all kinds of stuff and experiment with things. And I would listen to his crazy stories, uh, about growing up, which he had endless stories about, but, you know, hindsight, it helped like those stories. I'll periodically one will pop into my brain and those stories and that history and that connection all kind of helped shape me, uh, dramatically, um, you know, just by, you know, good old boring bass fishing, uh, around, we were fishing at like primarily Smith Lake, uh, in the Northern part of Alabama or Logan Martin, uh, which a little, uh, uh, east of, of Birmingham, but, you know, just an amazing, quiet, you know, boring, fantastic period uh, of my life that I'm, I'm super, super grateful for. And I, I think investing that time as a parent around something you love, yeah. even if uh, your kids completely fight it and hate it and it's boring, uh, they're going to remember it and they're, they're going to remember it in a, a good light. That's it. I, and that's what I remember, man. That's yeah. exactly what I remember. I used to be, Dad, I don't want I want to play Sega Genesis. I want to play yeah. Coach K basketball NBA Live. No, you're yeah. getting your ass up. Going yeah. Six in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, tugging tackle boxes and stuff. And yeah. now those memories I, I'll never forget, man. I know we're coming up on time. I just want to ask you one last question, Tom. Just uh, what, what do you get excited about? And what, what are some things you're looking forward to for the future, man? Well, I'm excited about the Warriors right now. We're sitting on the go. precipice of uh, game, game six and winning this thing, which is super, uh, super excited. Um, no, I'm, most of the things I'm excited about now are, you know, directly to do with kids and kind of what they're going to do and seeing them kind of grow up in university and what they can become. Um, the world's a mess in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, the world's never been more exciting and what you can do uh, if you if you work hard and put, put your mind to it. So super excited uh, about that. I'm excited about Hootsuite and what we're doing here, you know, as we get this, uh, this train rolling and what we're trying to build, trying to build a great company for the long run. And uh, I'm super excited uh, uh, about that. Um, I think those are the main things. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely believe in it. And I, I do want to ask you, cause I know a lot of owls are, are, are watching this too. And just for myself, like, so I aspire to be a CEO one day. I'm not sure where my path or my journey is going to take me. But what advice would you give to myself and other owls that may be inspired to be a CEO one day? What's the best advice you maybe have gotten as well? 
You know, I think the era we're in now um, is very different than like the era I grew up in. The era I grew up in, CEOs sat on floors by themselves. Yep. You didn't see them. Uh, you maybe heard from them periodically. Uh, you read about them in the press. They were not accessible. Um, the world we're in today, everybody is accessible. Um, successful CEOs, very few of them can be um, completely removed from folks. So there's a there's a access to a lot of different styles, approaches, uh, input. So I think being a student of that, asking yeah. questions, um, there's so many different kind of blogs and different things that you can can read and listen and, and hear from them. And, and then thinking about what you heard and how do you apply it to what you're doing? Because a lot of this is about building the right habits. It's, yeah. it's building the right habits around skills so that at each level you are you're building the right skills so that you can you can move up a level and you can scale that and then you can move that up a level and it's learning and building off of that. I mean, many of the frameworks I use today are the same frameworks I used you know 25 or 30 years ago that I learned they worked for me and they were effective and they were speedy. Some aren't, some you keep learning, but it's like just continuing to build and to scale and to recognize that you're there's never a plateau. You're never done uh, in your journey there. There's no plateau. And for any and all the owls watching, because for those who aren't a part of Hootsuite, we have a saying called give it a try. And that's yeah. and that's what I want to say for this. Like for anybody, there is no ceiling to what we can do. This is why I'm so avid about the personal branding stuff. This is why I say go out there, because there's no limits to what we can do. Six months ago, I mean, nine months ago, I was depressed not knowing where I was going to be, man. And like, I'm talking to the CEO of Hootsuite right now, <laughs> which is amazing to me. And I just want to say for anybody, like, how do you get your guests and how do you do it? I just ask, I exactly. give it a try and I go for it. So anybody that's watching this, if you can learn anything from me, it's to go for it, give it a try. Don't let anybody tell you no. And if you do get a no, man, there's always going to be a yes somewhere, right? So just keep yeah. shooting for it, keep up leveling. And I just want to say to you, Tom, thank you for taking time out your day. This means a lot to me personally. Um, I know my family's watching, everybody's watching, they're excited, yeah. man. So I just want to thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for, for everything you're doing for Hootsuite, man. And thank you for your transparency and being so real. So that, that means a lot. And I'm just excited to what we do, man. Awesome. Thank you, Jared. I, I appreciate the time. This is a, this is quite the thing you've created. You should be really proud. Thank you so much, Tom. That means a lot. And then when you come down or you come to New York, we're going to go either fishing on FDR or check <laughs> out on a horse and we're going to film it. All right. <laughs> we're come up with it. But um, thank you for everybody that's listening, everybody that tuned in. Thank you for the continued love and support. We have one more episode for the season, which is on Thursday, my birthday. I'm turning 34. I'll be talking nice. to Steven Schmidt, CEO of Title. Um, and yeah, so I appreciate all the DMs, the love, support. Friday, I will be on vacation. My first vacation in three years, Tom. Nice. I'm excited. I'm going to a Caribbean island. No kids. Feet up. No plans. I can't wait, man. So, <laughs> so thanks to everybody. And Tom, thank you again. And this is another great episode of More Than Title, man. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you.